Arizona Sports. Sean Payton. Update. 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 All right, hour number two of the show, live from the Akchin Community Studios. It is Wolf and Luke, and uh, Sean Payton did speak a little bit yesterday. Maybe this gives us some insight. Wolf, you brought this up earlier in the show. Isn't it possible that the reason nothing has happened yet is because the Cardinals, just hypothetically, would be working out some sort of trade compensation with the Saints? Yes, I think it is possible. Well, yeah, Hypothetical, though it may be, but what, yeah, but once again, it's, yeah, well, of course, it's got to happen. You, okay, you've worked it out with Sean Payton as to what you might pay. Now, all of a sudden, you've got to work it out with the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, that could throw a wrench into it. So here's his comments yesterday. Now, if, if you listen, because the first time I listened to this, I was just like, okay, it's Sean Payton talking. Let's try and figure it out. But once you threw that idea out there. Now listen to this again with the idea that maybe that's the scenario, right? That the, the, the Cardinals and Saints are still trying to work out trade compensation, but that things are in a good spot with Peyton and the Cardinals. You know what? They always say, be present right where you're at. And I like, all the, with us, I like hashtag all the way to the left next to you guys, and I really appreciate yeah. it. No, it's been a, a busy week, a great week. We've had a chance to visit with a lot of great owners, a, a lot of Outstanding organizations. They're obviously looking for a reboot. I think with the way the coaching hiring process has changed this year, we're seeing it play out a little longer for these clubs. And I think there's more pressure on uh, everyone who's covering it. And and I think it's a good thing because they're allowing teams to get to the right candidates. Uh, I think, Coach, real quick, can I interrupt? I think in the next week we're going to know a lot more. Coach, we'll help. In the next week, but the doors are not closed yet. No, 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 no. I think there's, yeah, there's a, a handful of things that, that still are taking place for these coaches and myself. All right, so let's... You had five teams looking for coaches, right? Carolina's already taken Frank Reich. It sounds like Houston and D'Amico Ryans is just a matter of time. Right. So then you're down to just the Colts. Who knows what the Colts are going to do? Anybody else that might be on ESPN, they can hire. Uh, the Broncos and the Cardinals. If you're not if you're not in a race with a bunch of other teams for Sean Payton, if your only real competition is he goes back to TV then you can take a little bit of time. And I am encouraged by the fact that it's it's not like the Cardinals met with Sean Payton and then two days later or on the pregame show yesterday, Sean Payton wasn't like, you know what, guys? I'm coming back to Fox next year. We'll try this again a year from now. Right. He didn't do that. Yes. That could have been the case right there. For me, when I listened to that cut you just played, I thought, what are the handful of things that are still taking place? For Sean Payton. Well, that's that's where the New Orleans part <laughs> kind of comes into play, I think. You know, I, well, I, I came up with four things. Oh. I, again, hypothetical, though it may be, but I, it drives me crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard me talk about this many, many times, all the speculation, but... Speculation is the currency of sports radio. It just is. Especially right now. Especially the way that it's lining up right now for this story in particular. It really, this is just I off the hook. I say this, too. In general, yeah, it's, it's speculation, but it's you're trying to use some logic to it, and you're trying to piece some stuff together. It, it's not just like, hey, Sean Payton to the Vikings. You yes. know what I mean? It's like there's there's some logic behind at least some of this. I haven't heard your four reasons yet. So, so maybe I well, say that. I'm just saying. It's so a handful of reasons. Uh, you know, a handful. I think of five, right? But I only have four. It's still a handful, right? <laughs> I, I would think so right here. Number one is Kyler Murray. Number one. Numero uno. Unbelievable. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that, Mel. Thank you very much. Command and Control. 
Central on point this morning is Kyla Murray on board with Sean Payton coaching him. That's number one. I, I would imagine that's a big talking point right there. And it's interesting because I, I wonder if, in fact, Sean Payton has had a conversation with Kyla Murray yet. I wonder if that was part of the seven-hour interview this that was going on. Would you bring up Kyler on? Let's put him on speaker. Kyler, how you doing? You know, I mean, I don't know. Let's hop online. He's probably playing Call of Duty, Sean. Do you know how to play Call of Duty? You can just talk to him while you're playing. Um, that's interesting. That's two different things, right? Because... If Kyler's on board with Sean Payton, I don't really care if Kyler's on board with Sean Payton. Like, get on board if we're getting Sean Payton. But I think if you're Sean Payton and you're going to coach him, you would care. But but that's the second part of what you were saying. I, I would want Sean Payton and Kyler Murray to talk, though. You know what I mean? Because you do want there to be a certain level of like, yeah, I could work with this guy. And Kyler's like, yeah, I believe in this guy. You do want that. Yeah. It's just I don't want it to be like, well, let's run this through Kyler's filter. And and I'll explain why in a second because we have another name to bring up. Oh, sure. Of course. I'm not saying you're going to leave it up to Kyler Murray to hire Sean Payton or not. What I'm saying is you've got to have that conversation. If I'm Sean Payton and I want to try to reach Kyler Murray, and I I disagree with Dave Pash on this, I do believe that teaching is about reaching. You got to be able to do that before you can actually teach somebody. Um, yeah, I think if I'm Sean Payton, I want to know if I can work with this guy. I do think they need to talk. Yeah. Yeah. So that's number one. Number, number two. <laughs> is, Ky- is Kyler Murray on board with going under center and developing that part of his game? Sorry, Basin. It is what it is, but it's the truth. Is he on board with that? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea where Kyler Murray stands on that. But I, if I know Sean Payton, and I am Sean Payton, metaphorically speaking, in this little Because if you are Sean Payton, you should tell us that. I, I'm, he's got to go under center, and Sean Payton knows it. Well, how about all these games yesterday, up to and including the Eagles, who run some of that new age offense, right? But when sure. they needed a yard or a half yard, I mean, their offensive line's ridiculous. They all like basically are laying on the ground, just pushing forward with uh, with Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts is under center when they need half a yard. He's not going back into shotgun and running a reverse. Sure. And once again, their offensive line is special, like the best offensive line in the National Football League, the Philadelphia Eagles. That'll usually help you get to a Super Bowl. So, number three. <laughs> number three. Three. Are the Arizona Cardinals ready to pay Sean Payton the kind of money he wants? That could also be the handful of things that they're still looking to take place this week, right? Handful yeah. of things. Maybe that's still going on. But this all sounds like they are at least close. And I don't mean close like, hey, it's about to happen. I just mean like this is not nearly as far apart as honestly I would have thought two months ago. Yeah, no, I, I honestly... I, I honestly didn't think that Sean Payton was going to be the hire here. I did not. I thought it was going to be more of a defensive-minded coach because of Cliff Kingsbury, for the most part. And because early on, I thought Sean Payton was going to go out there and demand so much money or demand so much position within the organization, yeah. wherever he was going to go, that it was not going to you fit. You have to clear everybody out for Sean Payton. Exactly Just two months right. ago, we didn't know that the Cardinals were going to bring in a new GM or any of that stuff. So, so, number four. Number four. Number four. Hmm, number of the world. Interesting. What kind, what kind of compensation are the New Orleans Saints willing to take? And that might be 
the hang-up right there. A handful of things that still are taking place, says Sean Payton. I wonder how many of those four that I just said are in his hand. I think they're all pretty logical. But if, if let's just say it is those four things, or it's two of those things or whatever, doesn't that put the Cardinals in a pretty good position to make this happen? It, it really does. Well, it does. There's but I think of the compensation with the New Orleans Saints once again. Are they asking okay, for something it, extreme? Honestly, and maybe I underrate that, but if I'm if, if we are at the point where it's Sean Payton is either going to coach the Cardinals next year if they yeah. can get a deal done with the Saints, he's not coaching the Colts. So, I mean, maybe Denver, maybe. It doesn't really seem like that either. Everybody seems to think it's TV or the Cardinals. Then I'm talking to the Saints, and I'm like, you guys can you can take it or leave it. You can have... Our second round pick this year and next year, which, by the way, is a really good second round pick yeah. this year. It might be next year, too, because you might not have Kyler for the first half of the season. Or you can just keep your coach that isn't coaching you and wait and see if you can beat that a year from now. It's not like the Saints are like, OK, we'll just take Peyton back next year. He's not coaching you next year. Yes. So you can have nothing or you can have two potentially pretty high second round picks for a guy that isn't coming back. And if you are in favor of Sean Payton becoming the next head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, the, the most encouraging thing. The, the most encouraging sound you could possibly hear, it came from Larry Fitzgerald. That, don't, just don't fly over that. Because you know he's had a conversation with Michael, I would imagine. Maybe even multiple. Does seem like Michael is doing what he said he was going to do, casting the net far and wide, and I would assume, yeah, why wouldn't you talk to Fitz? If you're talking to really good football minds that that have played in the league, certainly, <laughs> in games where Sean Payton was coaching. Yeah, absolutely. All right, when we come back, we'll get back into the championship games from yesterday in the Super Bowl that they have now set up. Did Patrick Mahomes prove that he is the best quarterback in the NFL once again? We'll react to that AFC championship game because there were a lot of twists and turns. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I do want to throw this out there, too. Well, if we keep talking about the Cardinals coaching and not getting to this tweet, then I want to, we're going to talk AFC Championship game here. But the, uh, the, the tweet from Jonathan Jones yesterday talking about uh, NFL Insider for NFL and CBS, talking about Aaron Glenn. Did you see this one? It was uh, a name that makes a lot of sense for the Cardinals. Next head coach is Aaron Glenn, a former player who would bring leadership and accountability there ASAP. Familiar with reshaping a team from his two years with the Lions. He's a Texas guy who has known Kyler Murray and his family for a while. Mm. So there's a lot to like there. But again, I don't want to hire a coach because Kyler Murray is already comfortable with him. You know what I mean? Not not in that sense. It's different than the conversation we were just having. If you're going to bring in Sean Payton... It would be good to have those two have a conversation because if they hate each other, <laughs> then you have an issue. But I don't – Aaron Glenn might be the right guy. I like – and we talked about this a lot last week. I like the culture that they are building in Detroit, and he's a huge part of it. But to me, the fact that he knows Kyler Murray and his family is not a selling point. If anything, I, I kind of want Kyler out of his comfort zone a little bit because the NFL is going to put you out of your comfort zone. So you don't need to, like – coddle him ahead of time. Yeah, no, I I agree with what you're saying right here. I believe um, they need to bring a head coach in here that's going to be able to reach Kyla Murray. I think you have to consider that. I don't think it's, hey, you know what, we we don't care about that at all. 
how can you possibly do that when you still owe the guy the kind of money you do? Yeah. He's your franchise quarterback going forward. By the way, he's got a lot of good things about him, too. What? A lot. There's so many people beating Kyler Murray down right now. There's a lot of really good stuff. There's a lot of really good about him, table. but I don't think you can hire a coach because, because that would be Kyler's preference. You know what I mean? There, no. There's a difference between... This guy, okay, Kyler's in on this. Let's go. Here we go. And that's Kyler's choice because it is a 53-man roster. And I'm not saying that Aaron Glenn even would be Kyler's choice. Just that tweet makes it sound like it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm agreeing with this. Um, But again, we've got to also point out the fact that Kyler Murray, you just can't disregard whether or not Kyler's actually going to get along with this guy or he wants to actually be in the offense this guy's going to bring. You can't just ignore that. Because you're just asking for it. Here, here's the here. This is the way that I see this. The next head coach is going to be an anvil. He's going to be an anvil. That's what he's going to be. Kyler Murray's either going to break his career on that anvil, or you're going to shape him. You're going to shape him on that anvil, where suddenly you're going to get the best of Kyler Murray going forward. Who is that anvil? That is the question that we're asking. Well, the goal is to get to where we saw these teams playing yesterday, obviously, and now where the Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles are going to be playing here in a couple weeks. And uh, Patrick Mahomes in the the game yesterday, Wolf, that was was an impressive performance. He ends up with a quarterback rating over 105, 326 passing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, even ran for eight yards. And and some of those were big on that final uh, play or, or final drive to set up the uh, the game-winning field goal. He spoke after the game about uh, his just his mobility compared to a lot of people didn't even know he was going to play. I didn't expect to be able to run very much um, just from the way it felt. But uh, the training staff, Julie, did a great job of uh, getting me enough range uh, and mobility that I was able to protect myself. And at the end of the game there, I had to run to to get the first down and it got us into field goal range. So uh, uh, credit to them. And then uh, just trying to stay on it. And uh, we have two more weeks, so we got to keep doing it. Wow, Pat Mahomes. The legend of Pat Mahomes grew yesterday, did it not? My brothers. Oh, my goodness. Just watching them right there. Joe Burrow had his shot, and I thought that was going to be it. I thought, this is it. Joe Burrow is going to take over the title as the best quarterback on the face of the planet with two minutes and 30 seconds to go in the fourth quarter, a 2020 game, 94 yards in front of him, two timeouts, and I thought that was it. The table was set for Joe Burrow, and it didn't happen. Kansas City's defense was impressive <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> did really not were. happen. Chris Jones did not happen. But Mahomes, give, given the opportunity, again, responded and. The legend of Patrick Mahomes in the game that he played yesterday, especially on that bum ankle coming down to a play in which he had to pull it down and convert for a first down and then got jacked out of bounds. You can say, well, you know what? They didn't call that early. Hey, listen, I don't know about that, but I do know that was a personal foul. Yeah. Joseph Osai, he committed a personal foul. He jacked him out of bounds. It wasn't even close. No, there's no way to, to really... Defend it. I mean, I hated that the game and and season in the AFC all hinged on that. Absolutely agree. And so watching it, I was I was trying to justify like any way they could not call it. I'm looking at it. I'm like maybe he was kind of trying to brace himself. You know, I know it is tough when you're sprinting to the sideline. Maybe not so much with Mahomes because he's so immobile right now. But a lot of times, if you pull up, then the quarterback's like, all right, I'll just take six more yards. Now Mahomes wasn't going to do that in that situation, but I. 
it's like split second decision. You're running full speed. He was like the only guy that's, that even closed the, the corner there on, on Mahomes. And yet this is what ultimately happens. And it does. It costs Cincinnati their season. Here's Mahomes rolling out on third and four. He's going to go for the, yes, he's got the marker. He's got the out of bounds to stop it. And Osai was hurt as he hit the bench. And a flag's coming in to put him 15 yards closer. Oh, my gosh. The only time he had to use the legs fully, he turned on and he put it on himself. And that's going to put them in position to get. Personal foul, unnecessary roughness, defense number 58. He's going to take this all the way into an inside of about 40-yard field goal attempt to go to the Super Bowl. It would have been a 60-yard field goal if not for that that penalty at the end. He, he's he, we've Butker's seen Harrison not Butker making that him, kick. But he's he, not making that. He, he's kick, certainly no. not into that win. No, and that kick, the the one that he made, it, that's not one of those ones. Like, oh, that would have been good from sixty five. Right. No, it was no. a forty five yard kick. It would have been good from like forty nine. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I hated that to see it come down to that as well. But it was the correct call. It, it was. Um, what's so fascinating about this, the legend of Patrick Mahomes, is the fact that he he's typically the guy that slams the door shut on the Chiefs' opponents for the most part. I, I think you'd agree with that. He typically is that guy. But he's the guy who actually opened the door for the Bengals to get back into it with the fumble yeah. at the end of the third quarter. Came yeah. right out of his hand. Cold weather game, that's the risk you always run. That's the reason why when you're at the combine and they measure your hand, they want 10 inches, all right? That's what they want. Nine and a half is acceptable. They want 10 or more. They, they love that right there for that very reason. The ball came flying out of his hand. Um, just huge to see him overcome all of that, especially at the wide receiver position and what they were down to. Um, very difficult set of circumstances. And Pat Mahomes somehow, some way, found a way to get it done. Well, then you had Travis Kelsey after the game. The Chiefs seemed to be, you know, the, the Cincinnati-Buffalo game last week, Cincinnati clearly was carrying a little bit of attitude in that game or a little bit of an edge of, like, they felt like they were being overlooked or disrespected or just kind of an afterthought or whatever. And those comments came out after the game of that one. Well, this is Travis Kelsey after the game yesterday. I appreciate you. How about this beautiful trophy? Huh? Hey, I got some wise words for that Cincinnati mayor. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. You gotta fight for your right to party. He does that a lot better than I do, Pantera. <laughs> I don't know, yeah, man. That's pretty good right there. <laughs> I thought they were going to take the, the trophy back boys. from Kelsey. Like, okay, <laughs> if you're going to quote songs, you know. The voice, though, that is, that's pretty good right there. That's that's not bad. He was fired at all. up after that game. He was, man. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs. Are you fired up? The Kansas City Chiefs are back into the Super Bowl right now. They They're don't, a likable team, though. They right. They don't bother me. They really. No, exactly. They don't bother me. No. They're a likable team. They're Andy Reid. How can you look at Andy Reid not really like Andy Reid? I just they are they are a, a fun team to watch unless you are rooting against them. Like if you were a Bengals fan at the end. I, Probably sucks to be rooting against Patrick Mahomes, but uh, it, look, week one here, Cardinals, Chiefs, 
that sucked watching that game and the Chiefs just picking the Cardinals apart. By the way, yes, I'm well aware of the stat that's out there. If you heard this, a number of people have pointed out whoever wins the Super Bowl will have won more games at State Farm okay. Stadium than yes, the Cardinals right. this year. Yeah. Yes, that's out there. <laughs> 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 Everybody made that connection. You're so right. Uh, this is Joseph Asai talking after the game on that late uh, hit. I just got to, I got to, like Sam was saying, I got to learn from experience and um, I got to know not to not to get close to that quarterback when he's close to that sideline. If, if there's anything that could uh, possibly cause a penalty in a dire situation like that, I got to do better. Things are happening so fast there, obviously. Do you, did you have any idea you were, you were at that sideline there? I mean, obviously you're in full chase. And, you know. Yeah, I was just in full chase mode, and I was trying to, um, trying to push him to maybe um, get him going backwards because I knew he was going for that sideline. I was trying to make him go backwards, get that clock running, but... Um, I, I didn't know. I, I haven't seen it yet. I didn't know how far out of bounds we were. But um, yeah. Yeah, make him go backwards. Yeah, I, I just it does. It listen. The game is flying by, and it's a physical game. And Joseph Azai was running him down to deliver some damage because that's what you do. You're a football player. You go back and look at it. It wasn't the fact that he contacted him. Watch what he did when he's well, I mean, two steps into the sideline. It was the push right there. That's what got him. Yeah, I think if you're a Bengals fan and you're upset about the officiating yesterday, you have every right to be. But I don't think it can be on that play. Not that play. I think you can point to a number of other plays and and. I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> there were a lot of strange things in that game, but I, I don't know that that's the one you can really argue. That's just obviously the highest profile play, and unfortunately the way the uh, the season ends for the Bengals. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Could the Cardinals learn something from this NFC championship game we saw yesterday? Maybe a few things, actually. We'll explain next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Okay, so the uh, AFC championship game, I would say, was the one with the more controversy, which tends to happen when it's a better game anyway. At least sets the stage for more controversy. There was a couple missed, uh, messed up calls. One pretty big one, I would say, on that Devontae Smith catch in the yes. Eagles game, but it ultimately didn't really yes. matter. Um, so, <laughs> let's. I guess let's start here, Wolf. Can we start there right there? Just the, the, the messed up call right yeah. there, the way that happened early on. In it set the, game. the tone. It did. It set the tone. It, it really, really did in this game. We're talking about the Eagles' first possession that resulted in a touchdown on fourth and three. The scramble throw downfield to Devontae Smith. He makes a one-handed catch. Just incredible. That wasn't a catch. <laughs> yeah, it was an incredible non-catch. It was, yes, it was. And I could totally see why the side judge had a problem seeing it. He thought it was a catch. And yet he's the guy, right? He, yeah. He's the guy. Oh, my goodness. It was just a mess. But it really didn't matter. I've said it many, many times, Basinonians. This is the truth. The most powerful human being on any given day in the National Football League is the director in the truck. Who says, give me that angle. Give me this angle. Give me that. Show that replay. Don't show that replay. Show that. I mean, to me, that's the most powerful dude in any NFL game. 
Well, I would say the second most powerful would be the starting quarterback, and that was really just driven home yesterday and um, to the point of ridiculousness. I like your idea earlier where you almost need to come up with something for a playoff game, and I know every year, it feels like every year in the conference championship, something happens and we're all like, oh, wow, you gotta, we have to amend this for you know future situations, but that was... Your idea of just you get to have a third emergency quarterback or something in the playoffs, that would have been one thing yesterday if that was week six. Oh, this is the biggest game. These two teams are undefeated. Everybody watching this, San Francisco literally can't field a full roster. All right, we'll see in week seven. Maybe they'll meet in the playoffs. You know, you're, you're turning that game off. You're finding another game. You're watching Red Zone. You're going out and doing something with the family or whatever. That game yesterday was to go to the Super Bowl, and it was over it's basically over in the second quarter. It was certainly over midway through the third quarter, and San Francisco knew it. San Francisco was just like, "We're going to run on every play and get out of here because we're done. We don't. You can't win with a fifth string quarterback because you don't have a fifth string quarterback." Yeah, we all know it. It was it was horrible, I, absolutely horrible to see that situation right there. I was so disappointed because the line of scrimmage was going to be contested on both sides of the ball. This was going to be a game I thought that was going to be an absolute slugfest on the line of scrimmage. And, you know, to the Eagles' credit, they went down the field, they took the ball and went down the field, and they scored a touchdown. Yes, Devontae Smith really didn't catch that ball on fourth and three. It should not have been a touchdown. It was ruled a touchdown. We, all, I mean, it was ruled a catch, and it followed two plays later, I believe, as a touchdown with Miles Sanders, of course. And, you know, I, it was huge. It was... um it was a game that I thought was going to be the bloodiest of the two, and I, I think that would have held true. But at some point in time, you could see it on the faces of the 49 players in the second half. As early as the third quarter, the first half of the third quarter, you could see it on their faces. They knew what they were up against and how difficult it Look, you could sit there and say, and, I, and I'm one of these guys. It doesn't matter. Go out there and play. Every play. You go out there and you play it as hard as you possibly can. Every play. It should never matter what the circumstance is in the game. Go out. You've got one play, and that's the play in front of you. You play that with everything you've got. And then you do it the next. And you do it over and over and over and over. Right? I, I get that. But that's that's not acknowledging the fact that football is played by human beings. It's not like they didn't have a good quarterback. They didn't have a they quarterback. They didn't have, I, again. If they had come back and won that, that game, we were talking about this during the game yesterday, if they had come back and won that game, it would have been the most impressive performance of football history. <laughs> Seriously, you come back from down three scores in the NFC Championship against a team that led the NFL all season long, and by the way, Hassan Reddick was unblockable yesterday. Oh my goodness! And you're going to win that game literally without a quarterback? It would. It was. It was. It would have been. It was impossible. Obviously, they didn't even score again after that. We have to talk about Hassan Reddick because I, I can tell you, I, curiosity got to me. And I was like, I'm just going to check out Twitter, and, and I know Vince. Vince, uh, he said this this morning on the show too. I saw him tweet it out. It was just kind of like, oh, Hassan Reddick's having a good game. Not saying anything else. Basically, just wanted to gauge the comments back. And uh, it doesn't seem like Cardinals fans were really rooting for Hassan Reddick. Not rooting against him because I, I don't think anybody had a problem with him when he was here. But that was like. Pretty good chance Hassan Reddick's going to be holding the Lombardi Trophy at State Farm Stadium in two weeks, not wearing a Cardinals uniform. He was so good. That's going to be rough. He was so good. He's been good all season. He's been great all season. And I root for this guy. I really do. He's a great dude. He uh, That's the thing about Not only is he a great talent, he is a great guy. 
<laughs> I root for Hassan Reddick. I know. He was a one man wrecking crew yesterday. He was on fire yesterday. But I will say it was interesting. The 49ers had a plan that involved a lot of tight ends blocking. Um, and. That, to me, was not something I expected. I realize I have Brandon Graham on the other side as well. Brandon Graham had 11 sacks on the season, of course, and he's a bigger, he's more of a traditional defensive end. I understand that coming off the edge a lot of the time, but Hassan Reddick had 16 sacks on the regular season, and going into this game, Kyle Shanahan's plan was to block Hassan Reddick with tight ends. And it blew up in it his did face. Not work. It did not work. It was impossible to watch that game and not think if you're a Cardinals fan, hey, Philadelphia figured out where where to play Hassan Reddick, and it's just on top of the other quarterback because he was he really set the tone early in that game, and that's why you know even if San Francisco has Brock Purdy all game or Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo, I, Purdy was probably their better option of the three anyway. I still think now looking back, they would have had a tough way to lose. But it is. It's frustrating that we're just not really ever even going to know. Here's Brock Purdy after the game. It just hurts. It's um, I, I'm just so sad for the older guys. You know, Fred, Trent, George, um, Eric Armstead, everyone. All the guys that have been through this. You know, they, they've obviously been to the Super Bowl in 19 and then last year in the NFC Championship. And then for this to happen, it's... In the first drive, really, of man, like this is the kind of game we have to play after the first drive, and I'm just, I'm just frustrated. Um, but it's more sad for those guys than anything because they, they, they deserve to go to win and, and to win the whole thing. And so when that happened, man, I just, I'm just more frustrated with that and, and sad for him. Well, Brock Purdy had never lost a game until yesterday. I don't think he really has to apologize uh, for anything, and certainly not for getting hurt. It is crazy. With all the um, the talk of how the NFL is wide open each year, Wolf, doesn't it feel like San Francisco and the Chiefs are in the Final Four every single year? Because they are. Yeah. San Francisco seems to be in the NFC Championship game. Was it three of the last four years? Kansas City is always in the AFC Championship game. So maybe it's not quite as wide open as people think. Yeah, for me, just the fact that Brock Purdy was out at the seven oh three mark of the first quarter. Just we got deprived of seeing one of the most. The best story, one of the best stories, it's the only way to say it, one of the best stories I've ever seen in the National Football League. Mr. Irrelevant, the last guy drafted, (laughs) a seventh-round pick, a a quarterback, a rookie quarterback getting the opportunity to go out and play in the NFC Championship game. Oh, by the way, they haven't lost a game in nine games, right, that he started. Haven't lost a game. Um... I just hated the fact we didn't get to see that. Well, yeah. Whether or not Brock Purdy could have changed things. Because it would have been a great story no matter how it played out, except yesterday the way it played out. Like, either he plays and San Francisco goes to the Super Bowl and you're like, wow, this is, this is like movie-level stuff. Or he plays and Philadelphia's like, no, this is how much better than you we are, and they just slam the door on him. But either way, he needs to play for the story to play out, not get hurt halfway through the first quarter. Yeah, and the other thing I wanted to say is it was Hassan Reddick, of course, and his strip sack. That got Brock Purdy in trouble. Almost did the same and thing to Josh Johnson, too. Exactly right. Yeah. All over the field. Hassan, it looked like there were three Hassan Reddicks yesterday. All right, when we come back, we'll get that. And really has been that way for most of this season. Uh, we, uh, we'll get into basketball. The Suns getting ready to play the Raptors tonight. Is there a little extra meaning to this game? We'll explain next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Phoenix Suns back in action tonight, taking on one of the more interesting teams to be playing right now specifically, Wolf, because when you look at the Toronto Raptors, you see a team that has Pascal Siakam, who's having a really good year individually, Fred Van Vliet as well. Uh, Gary Trent has taken a step this year, OG Ananobi. Scotty Barnes actually has kind of maybe taken a step back this year from his yeah. monster rookie season. It's not bad, but they've got some depth. They've got... they've. There's more talent I just read off right there than a good chunk of teams in this league. And yet, with the trade deadline a week in change away, it's next Thursday, they're 12th in the Eastern Conference. And they're 12th, and for the most part, their guys have been healthy. Like, Fred Van Vliet missed the first game against the Suns. OG Ananobi's going to miss the game tonight against the Suns. But generally speaking, those guys I just rattled off all their names... They've all played 40-plus games. Yeah. So it's not like guys have missed 20 games, and that's... So if I'm Toronto, I'm looking, I'm saying, we've had our guys, we're not winning. Maybe it's time to blow this up a little bit, and a lot of teams are looking at Toronto that way. Exactly right. It's one of the reasons why Fred Van Vliet, all the rumors surrounding him in regard to the fact that the Raptors are going to move him. Yeah, that to me, it's, it's one of the reasons why the Suns are sitting in a position to possibly pull off a deal for Fred Van Vliet. I'm hoping that happens. That's the guy that I want. You know that. We've talked about it many, many times. I love the guy. I love who he he is. I love how he goes about his business, how he competes. He's an absolute dog. He does it on both ends of the floor. I love it. I realize he's short. I realize he, it's not like he's he's 6'5". He's not. I get it. He's 6'1". But the guy competes, and I love how he competes. And because of that, that's the guy that I'd love to see. Somehow, some way, the Suns pull a deal for. Having said that, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the OG is a much more likely scenario. Well, OG Ananobi is a guy that's been linked to the Suns in the past. He's not going to play tonight. He had a decent game against them the first time around. I know you only see him twice a year, or in this case, once a year, unless he's on this team in a week. OG Ananobi, small forward, Indiana. If a team wants to improve their perimeter defense, Ananobi's 232-pound frame with a 7'2 wingspan will help. He burst onto the scene as a freshman for the Hoosiers in the 2016 NCAA tournament when his defense shined against Kentucky. His versatility was evident, going from guarding 5'10 current Suns guard Tyler Eulis to 6'11 current Kings big man Scott Labissier. No one is quite sure what he is offensively, but Ananobi's defense is a sure thing if he is still the same player after he's back from a torn ACL he suffered in January. NBA comp, Rockets small forward Trevor Ariza. Trevor Ariza, but not the Trevor Ariza that the Suns got when they had Trevor Ariza. Yeah. Remember that, like, felt like a week? <laughs> it was think just about a weird this. time in Suns history. What do you think about this game in terms of its import for the Phoenix Suns? What do you think about this tonight? Well, I, I think that, you know, we've, we've referenced that uh, that game against Brooklyn now back on the 19th where it kind of felt like this maybe is a turning point, and now you look back to that game, and since that game, since Cam Johnson comes back and Matt Ishby is in the arena, they are 5-1. and one. Mm-hmm. And in that time, they've added Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul... Chris Paul's been pretty good since he came back. I'm trying yeah. to find the exact numbers I had he him has. before. He's averaging, in his four games back... 22.3 points per game on 56% shooting and 10.8 assists per game. Now, it's only four games. Yeah. 
but it's the most recent four games. That seems like last year, does it not? The it's, 64 games. Yeah. Seems like that is a crisp ball that they're getting right now. Um, yeah, you know, this game, it's, it's important, isn't it? It is. It's starting to get to that point where you're, you're sitting up and you're taking notice. It's important because of the seedings, of course, in the Western Conference right now and how competitive they are in the Western Conference. But I just can't, I can't get all worked up until Devin Booker gets back. The Suns got to stay afloat, as we all know right now, and you'd love for them to even have a shot, be around that four seed, to be able to get that four seed. It's not inconceivable. Somehow, some way. It's they're not only inconceivable. a game back. Now, they, the Suns are currently technically ninth, but right. they're only a game out of fourth. And, and there's, there's a huge cutoff. that Nobody's catching Denver or Memphis. They're their own group right now. But Sacramento is six games back of, of Denver. And they're the three seed. The Clippers yeah. are seven and a half. The Suns are eight and a half. So, to me, the the fact that Chris Paul is looking like pre-age 37 Chris Paul is the biggest development. Yes, you needed to win some of these games, and they've won. So, they've they've yes, been winning. great point. But, man, that it almost feels like they made a trade for Chris Paul right now. Yeah. Um, Chris Paul coming around, looking like Chris Paul. Yeah, that'd be a huge development for this team going forward. But once again, we're not going to know until Devin Booker gets back. And I don't think this roster is going to look like it does right now, unless D-Book plays tonight. Unless, <laughs> unless Devin Booker plays tonight, which is something I heard Gambo reporting on, something Gambo was talking about, that tonight could be a possibility. More like Wednesday, I think Gambo was Just the fact, though, yeah, that he's close. I, I just, I think that you have, once Booker comes back, you have stayed afloat. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that was right. the biggest thing a couple weeks ago. Is like, how far are you going to drop? When Booker got hurt and they said it's four weeks until he gets reevaluated, we all, everybody was like, all right, brace for the fall and just how far are you going to fall? Because at the time they didn't have Cam, they didn't have Chris Paul, they didn't have Booker, you know, other guys in and out of the lineup at that point, even like Landry Shamit wasn't playing, like even your your backups weren't playing. They have, I would say, they've they've done it. They've they've weathered that storm. It doesn't mean you're going to win a title, but you know, this point's been brought up a few times and I think it's fair. The Western Conference right now, regular season, and we all know how the regular season can quickly dissolve. Its importance can quickly dissolve in the playoffs. We saw it firsthand last year, okay? If you're looking at the Western Conference and you're saying, well, nobody's going to be able to beat Denver or Memphis, do they really look unbeatable? No. They look uncatchable in the standings right yes. now. But in a seven-game series, you tell me the Suns at full strength against Denver at full strength. Let's let's see. You'd be <laughs> underdogs, but let's see it. Let's New Orleans at full strength against Memphis at full strength. Let's see it. Yeah. You know, Golden State against either of these teams. Let's see it. Here's the one thing, too. You don't know what you're going to get for Jay Crowder. You don't know what player. I mean, if you tell me OJ and an OB, you're going to tell me OG and an OB. That would be You tell me that amazing. that's going to be the trade? They could pull that off somehow, some way? So you have to throw would you not be on board for this? I'd be yes. like... You know what? Wow. You can take okay. any pick you Sold. want. Exactly any, right. You, I'll give you a second, and you I'd can have all, a first any all year over that. for that. Because I'm getting nothing out of Jay anyway. And uh, these picks, ideally, are going to be late first rounders, late I just, second rounders. I just have a hard time believing that's going to be the case. I don't. The Ananobi stuff is, that's, yeah, I, I want to know what the other pieces are. Nobody seems to really have an answer for that question. Yes. Because it's got to be another player. 
and probably at least one pick. Yes, and the Fred Van Vliet as well. I it's fleeting what is going on with Van Vliet. Oh, I see what you did there. You see how of course Van Vliet. It's Van Vlieting. I don't understand why Toronto would want Jay Crowder. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to be gone at the end of the year, yeah. probably, unless you see him as part of your future in Toronto. See, that's why I think the Milwaukee Bucks, that scenario. Get them involved. That is, well, right now, I mean, Jay Crowder actually met with them, correct? That was the report that Shams we just heard. Said, yeah. Jay Crowder met with the Milwaukee Bucks. That, that to me, I'm going to take that and put it in the positive category <laughs> right now, saying that is going to be a good sign, a good trend going forward for the Jay Crowder deal actually happening. <laughs> At some point in some time, it will happen, of course. And for me, you know, it's interesting, too. Bobby Portis, don't know if you notice this right now, but a little MCL coming up with Bobby Portis. He's going to miss, uh, I believe it's the next couple of weeks he's going to miss. And he... You know what? If you're, if you're the Bucks and you're looking at it, you're saying, man, Jay Crowder might be able to come in here and actually help us out and do some things that Bobby Portis does as well. Now, I know Portis has got more size, of course, than Jay Crowder. But, hey, Jay Crowder is a he's a four. He's a guy who can rebound, play some defense, be tough. The Milwaukee Bucks. He's well-rested. Well, he's well-rested. That's a veteran team that is up there. Yeah, I could see that. I'd buy that one. I still have flashbacks even just hearing the name Bobby Portis to the uh, the 21 finals. Yeah. I, I'm still not, I guess, I, I don't know when you ever get over that. But when you say Bobby Portis, I'm like, oh, yeah, Bobby Portis. I forgot about that. Um, the, the 31 games left for the Suns right now, okay? The margin from fourth place to 11th place in the Western Conference is two games. So I would say they have hung in there. Whenever you get Booker back, you assume you're going to continue to go on a run. There are still teams I look at, Wolf, in, in these top ten, not so much in the top six now. Minnesota's gone on a nice run. They're actually fifth. But, like, Utah's going to drop out of the top ten, right? Mm. I'm assuming Sacramento's going to drop. Maybe not out, but drop. Like I, That feels like a team you could catch if you're the Suns and you start to go on a run. You just don't believe Sacramento. You don't believe what you're seeing out of the Kings right now. They, you've been on you've been on them all season well, long just, in regard to saying you don't believe it. number number three in the conference. I mean, look <laughs> at these other teams. Okay, Denver, Memphis. I don't totally trust the Clippers, but they are. You know, they okay. Golden State, New Orleans, the Suns. Those are all teams I trust more than Sacramento. Sacramento is a fun team if you haven't watched them. And and I like the fact that there's, you know, kind of a surprise they were supposed to be more in that like eight nine range this year. But that just seems like a team that's that's gonna drop here a little bit. Utah definitely is it seems like a team that should drop completely out of the top ten. We just need Devin Booker and company campaign. We need these guys to get healthy. We need everybody to get healthy right now because I believe come the trade deadline, the Phoenix Suns are gonna be a better team on paper. Come the trade deadline, they're going to be a better team on paper. Isn't that right, James Jones? I believe that. Now, how they play together, all all those moving parts, whatever deals are done, I don't know. But I believe they're going to be a better team. Even if it's the same guys coming back, just getting healthy. This is the same team that won 64 games last year. And if you tell me that Chris Paul goes out and plays like he did... Over the last few games. Hey, heck yeah, man. Chris Paul can just play like that like three out of every four games. 
You know, if he can, let's be realistic, if he can play the way he has played the last four games since he came back from injury, if he can just give you that, you know, three times a week, whatever, three out of every four games, that's you're in a good spot. Coming up next, we'll take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.